It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You are Locked On Big 12, your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here for the Locked On Big 12 podcast today, brought to you by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com today. Use the promo code Locked On for 20% off on your next purchase. On the show today, it is a recap Monday. Corbett Koslak and I talk all things Big 12 hoops from the weekend, four games and four pretty entertaining games at that. And then also, we discuss the, uh, the big game that we saw this weekend Ohio State and Michigan. And really whether those two teams, and specifically Michigan, stacks up with Gonzaga and Baylor and whether or not, you know, the discussion about, hey, are they as good is warranted. Because I think there is a slight amount of people wanting to kind of break the norm here and include Michigan in there. And I think we assess whether or not Michigan belongs in that top class right now when it comes to college hoops. So really fun show today. I think you guys will enjoy. Hello, everybody. It is a recap edition of the Locked On Big 12 podcast. Josh Neighbors here. Joining me is Corbett Koslak. Corbett, a huge weekend, not just in the Big 12, but nationally. And we're not going to start with a Big 12 game per se, uh, but it does relate to the Big 12. Everybody's been saying, look, Baylor and Gonzaga are on a plateau of their own. But today we had Michigan and Ohio State, number three versus number four. And Michigan, um, it, what was, you know, let's be honest, that's the best college basketball game of the year, I think, just from a pure quality standpoint. And Michigan got the job done um, and they showed why they're such a dangerous team with the just, I mean, there's six or seven guys in the team who can't hurt you can go for like 15, you know, points uh, and, you know, uh, swing a tournament game, if you will. Would you consider them in the class of Gonzaga and Baylor after their performance today? Michigan is, I mean, no, Frankly, no. Uh, Gonzaga is Gonzaga. Baylor is Baylor. I mean, there's a reason that everyone thinks we're the two best teams in the country by far. Uh, as far as the rest of the field goes, um, uh, Michigan's ball movement on offense is just ridiculous. So, like, I mean, the argument before today was, you know, they haven't played anybody really uh, in the Big Ten. Like, they're where they went on the road in Minnesota and got blown out. That's their one loss. They got a bunch of wins against, you know, uh, fringe teams in the Big Ten. That was a nice comeback against Wisconsin, but Wisconsin's, you know, been struggling. And Michigan today, I mean, they, I, Ohio State, I have probably watched more Ohio State basketball this year than just about any other team in the country. I love EJ Liddell. I love what they're doing. I love how many skill players they have on offense. 
and they're usually a pretty sound defensive team. Now, obviously, that's not always going to show up when the other team shoots 53% from, from the field and 47% from downtown, which, I mean, they both shot the absolute lights out today, right. um, which is why it was the best game of college basketball season because there was good defense and great shot making the entire game. But the ball movement, Michigan had maybe seven or eight layups that just, like, were, you know, cut to the basket. The guy's down there all alone laying the ball in. Uh, completely, commentators overuse the words like selflessness or lack of selfishness on offense. That's like the most cliche thing uh, whenever the ball is being moved. Um, but the excellent ball movement, they have tons of guys to knock down shots. Isaiah Livers looks like he could be the guy who like, you know, you turn the offense over to uh, when you're going through a tough stretch. But it's going to take um, a, a defense like Baylor's to, to, to make, to, you know, give them problems because, if they keep making shots the way they're making them, they come back from a 23-day layoff, and all of a sudden, um, uh, just like they come back from down 14 against Wisconsin, first day off that layoff, they beat Ohio State. A week, uh, they beat Ohio State on the road a week later. Michigan just looks absolutely excellent. Uh, I, I still think Ohio State's really good. I still think Ohio State, you know, is going to be a two seed at the worst because that, I mean the the the, the Big Ten is going to account for three of the top eight seeds in the NCAA tournament, and it's. Michigan just looked really good today. It's the gist of uh, what happened. Yeah, and they're well-rounded too, right? They, they've got good guard play. I mean, I, I forget the kid's name. They've got guard but... play in like three, seven foot. So who is a kid that just basically Xavier, uh, Xavier Simpson all over again? I for, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, number 12 for Michigan. The kid is literally Xavier, like a recreation of Xavier Simpson, which I thought was hilarious. And, and it's been awesome to watch the way that Isaiah Livers has developed over his time uh, in college. You know, that's always been something that's like, you know, he was somebody that wasn't really – Oh, it's Mike. It's Mike Smith. Yeah, from uh, from from Columbia. He basically is, uh, you know, reminds me so much uh, of Xavier Simpson, and you know Hunter Dickinson too. Like he is a very polished freshman big man. Is he the athlete? Is he the footwork that maybe a guy like a you know you and I watch a lot of Missouri Jeremiah Tillman has or a Kofi Coburn? No, not quite. But he's got a pretty good and varied, somewhat for a guy his size and his age, post game. I think and. The way, Corbett, you're, you hit it on the head with, with the ball movement. That second half, Ohio State was never in position to box out because, and I'm sure you saw this, three or four guys were jumping at closeouts because the ball was just going all over the place. And uh, Michigan works really hard when the guys aren't on the ball to make sure guys are open and, and to stress your defense. I thought Juwan Howard had them so prepared. I thought both coaches had them prepared today. I think the preparation is what separated Michigan in this one. Michigan is interesting because they have two players in their starting lineup that are that are six one or shorter, right? Eli Brooks is six one. Mike Smith, the recreation of Xavier Simpson, is five foot eleven. Um, but they're very big. Isaiah Levers is is, is a thick six ten, uh, an excellent or a thick six seven rather, an excellent rebounding forward. Hunter Dickinson listed seven one uh, in the starting lineup, and then Franz Wagner, Mo's brother, six foot nine. Now he's not his brother as far as like the. The, the skill level and he's not uh, as big as his brother was, um, but still an excellent guy. And then you get, you know, 10, 15 minutes a game from Austin Davis off the bench uh, at six ten. They, they have like three guys that all have the same exact skill set that can just come in and just um, deep down low. Uh, yeah. Zed key is an excellent guy off the bench for Ohio state and has a really good post game inside. And those three guys pretty much locked him up in the game today. He had just two points. A lot of times he gives him six, eight, 10 points off the bench just with post-ups. Uh, he couldn't really rebound the ball. He had one rebound. Then you look at Kyle Young. Kyle Young really struggled. Only got up five shots. Kyle Young, Justin Aarons, and Justice, Su uh, Justice Suing only took 12 shots combined in the starting lineup for Ohio State today. 
a 33 shot taken by E.J. Liddell and Dwayne Washington. The main reason being is that they had to keep taking shots from the perimeter because there was absolutely nothing uh, inside the perimeter for them to get up. Now, they shot really well from three, 11 of 22, but what's it say about Michigan when, you're, when your post-defense is that good? The opposing team shoots 50% from three, and you still win on the road against the number four team in the country. It's going to take an absolute ton to beat Michigan right now. Yeah, and, and it's, it's weird because we keep saying this about all three of the teams. Um, I just think they can match shot for shot with, with Gonzaga, just Gonzaga. I mean, they're, they're front three guys. It's just, it's really hard to compete with that. And then for Baylor, the fact that, you know, if you say straight up talent, no, they don't have you beat. But if we've watched Baylor now long enough, beat every single kind of team and every, every variety, right. They've beaten teams by having their best player, Jared Butler go off. They've beaten teams by having uh, the best two-way player in college basketball and Davion Mitchell do it on both ends. They've had, they've won, you know, out rebounding bigger teams and competing in that category. So, you know, you think about Michigan, yeah, do they have the horses to do it? Yes. They can definitely compete with Gonzaga and Baylor. Uh, I'm, I'm there with that, but they, they, I just, in my mind, like they don't have the pedigree yet. Like we watched this Baylor team did this last year. And they came up and basically shored up their weaknesses, even though they lost a couple guys, shored up their weaknesses from last season, and they're doing it you know, this season. Gonzaga, just every single good non-conference team they played, they, they laid the hammer down on offense. And Ohio State's a very good basketball team, but they have a deficiency. They don't have any height. And so the fact that EJ, I mean, EJ Liddell, what, what a game today, right? The fact that he's got to guard the big guy, and also he scored 23-10. and 10, I mean, that's, that's an incredible two-way effort as well. Like, that's just so so much energy there. But the fact that they were able to do that and, and hang with them, you know, makes you think, hey, look, these are two of the best five teams in the country, but one and two is, I'm with you. They're separate because they haven't lost yet. And whatever weakness they have for like five, 10 minutes, it gets covered up. They find a way to cover it up. They adapt so fast. The team that, like, what's funny, we're talking about so much about Ohio State and Michigan, and neither one of them had the most impressive performance uh, in the Big Ten this weekend. Uh, Illinois beat the absolute breaks off of Minnesota. Oh they had lost one game at home all season. I know, right? Uh, Trent Frazier hits the half quarter uh, going into the locker room. They go up 15, and then they come out and win the second half by 16 points to win by 31. You were talking about uh, the players. Like, Ohio State is a really good, you know, some – or the, the whole is greater than the sum of the right. parts. Michigan's kind of the same thing. No one's going to jump off the table. Uh, Illinois has got, like, six dudes that are going to make highlight real dunks in one game. Like, they got Miller uh, shooting, like, 50% from three. Uh, they got Trent Frazier, who's been there like nine years. It feels like he's under, been there for four head coaches. Uh, you've got uh, Io, who came back after last season when he tested the NBA draft waters. And then you have Kofi Coburn, who has the single capability of having the most dominant performance among, I think, any player in college basketball. I think if he wants to, for 40 minutes, can absolutely dominate any other big man in college, college basketball physically. And that's going to be a really fun – I think Io Desumu said it this weekend – when they were asking about Joe Lenardi and the stuff, he's like, well, whoever wins the Big Ten tournament's getting a one seed. So I don't really care what they're saying right now. Uh, and that's the absolute right way to go through it. What's interesting, and obviously there's going to be like a two-week gap, like there always is, but let's say Baylor, right? Baylor runs the table uh, and wins the Big 12. And they go through, you know, West Virginia, and they go through Oklahoma, who are good. But then you have whoever's going to win the Big Ten is probably is, – probably going to have to beat two out of the top five teams in the country to get there. Like talk about uh, just the, the, the battle testedness, obviously of both conferences. It's going to be very interesting to see because Gonzaga is over there in the West coast playing San Diego as 32 and a half point favorites. Right. Like 
they're not going to play Illinois and they're not going to play Iowa. And they're not going to play uh, Ohio state and Baylor and West Virginia and Texas and Texas tech. It's Gonzaga has this stigma around them. Like, yeah, they're Gonzaga, but it's not March, right? It's, but it's not March. They've been there. They went to the national championship game. The one time um, they were really close at the end against North Carolina, but they're kind of, you know, there's this, this, we'll believe it when we see it with Gonzaga. Cause it seems well, to be every year that they're number one team. In the well, the problem is for them, you know, the question is, what's the adjustment period? Because we know for them at their best against top competition, they can get it done. Now, the, 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 there is going to be an adjustment from playing that level of competition to when, you know, like to the tournament. And that's the, that's the problem. It's almost unfair for them, right? You know, you almost wish they could play better competition, but there's going to be adjustment. You know, where you're saying, okay, we're just not used to playing this high, like, you know, high quality of team. And, and I'm wondering what that adjustment looks like. Can this group adjust a bit faster? I tend to think yes with this group specifically, but that is my question for them. And and you know, what's weird is as as good as we felt about both Gonzaga and Baylor, their questions are, you know, one Gonzaga has got the adjustment, which is kind of one of these, you know, it's almost like a non exact basketball thing. Right. And then Baylor's got the COVID situation. We don't know how they're going to be affected by that at all. So Michigan had their COVID situation came back and looked better. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So, so Michigan, that, that, that might be a notch in their belt that maybe we should consider them for that reason. But right now I just, I just, I can't at this point in time, um, you know, close. Yes. Still think Baylor beats that team today by 10. I still Uh, think Baylor beats that team by 10. And Gonzaga is going to go from a sweet 16 or a sweet 16 game against uh, UConn, the 12 seed or whoever ends up working out to an, an elite eight game against maybe Texas Tech to a final four game against, you know, Iowa or Illinois or, or Ohio State or Michigan, like in eight days, like they're like, right. they're going to have to figure something out there because it, I don't know, it's a giant leap from the people they're playing, the Portlands and the Pepperdines right. of the world. All right, more from my conversation with Corbett in a second, but first a word from our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by betonline.ag. You guys know college football and pro football are over, but the action does not stop. There's the NHL, the NBA, college hoops, uh, college football futures, NFL futures. Uh, all those all those things are available at betonline.ag. It's the only place that we trust, the only place that has you covered. Betonline.ag. Go there today, make a free account, and if you guys use the promo code Locked On, uh, L O C K E D O N, Locked On, you'll receive a fifty percent welcome bonus upon your first deposit. So if you put in the hundred bucks, they'll give you uh, fifty extra dollars to play with there at BetOnline.ag. Once again, full week of college hoops coming up. Get in on the action; it's always a lot of fun there at BetOnline.ag. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Go there right now. Create your free account. Use that promo code Locked On to receive your fifty percent sign up bonus. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Also, go check them out on social media at betonline underscore ag on Twitter and I believe Instagram as well. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. Also check out the Locked On Today podcast, new show uh, from Locked On Podcast Network. Peter Bukowski hosts 20 minutes every single weekday morning. All the sports news and notes you need from the weekend to get you set for the day, which you missed. 
uh, what's going on, all those things. Peter does a great job. It's a really excellently produced, uh, short, quick show, and it's part of my morning routine every single morning. So go check that out, Locked On Today, wherever you guys get your podcast. All right, back to my conversation with Corbett Koslak. All right, let's get into the big Big 12 games this weekend. We had four of them, um, and all of them were pretty, I mean, pretty good basketball games. Like, and, and, you know, they're pretty fun. I mean, some of them less fun than others, but relatively competitive games. Uh, let's start with the first game of the day. It was Texas 67, or excuse me, Texas 67, Kansas 67, Texas Tech 61. Uh, I was all over Kansas in this game just because of this. I love the fact that when you go on a stretch against bad competition, we saw it this week against Duke, you can kind of almost build up a false sense of confidence, but their sense of confidence KU has is built up in their, especially their defense and what they've been doing to teams defensively. Their ace of the hole is this Corbett. Marcus Garrett can shut down any team's best player. Mac McClung goes four of 13 and it was a struggle to even get to, I mean, to that point that having that kind of guy, being able to take out guards, take them out of the game, or at least make them work for their points. That's pretty unique. And I think that's one thing where KU might not have a lot of stuff I like for them heading into the tournament, but that is one that I have to say, okay, credit to, credit to you. That, that is something that I can hang my hat on and say, this is an argu- argument maybe for you guys to make the second weekend or make an Elite Eight. Yeah, I think Mac McClung's biggest kryptonite this season is me. Uh, he's averaging 19 points, and every time I watch him, he scores like six on 13 shots. Um, but beyond that, Texas Tech is Kansas light. This I came out of this game feeling um, not so much better about Kansas, but worse about Texas Tech. Like everything that I pointed out that I haven't liked about Kansas the whole season is just Texas Tech. Like lack of shot making. Uh the outside of David McCormick, Kansas is not very big. Texas Tech is just not very big without David. Right. They don't have that guy. Uh, a lack of, of creating your own shot uh, as at a guard level. A lack of elite shooting on the outside. Um, this was a this was a, a grind them out game. Uh, if this game is in Lubbock, Texas Tech probably wins it. Uh, it's one of those. It's just. I don't really feel good about either team. It feels like Texas Tech is just a worse version of Kansas right now. And I felt better about Texas Tech a little while ago, and I, I don't anymore because they have not done the things like they got swept by West Virginia, who we think is going to be a, a really difficult out in the tournament. And they got swept by KU uh, and, and not a very good version of Kansas. And so that tells me that when you play two similar st- games, right, they played two high scoring ones against West Virginia and two low scoring ones against Kansas. They didn't win either of them. And that's a problem. There's two different styles of games and they, they were not built for either of those games. Now, do I like the, the idea of Mac McClellan tournament? Yes, I, I really do. And do I like Terrence Shannon? Yes, I do. But, the, you know, th- they are not able to put it together, and neither was last year's team. And so I'm not sure it's on Chris Beard, but these guys just can't seem to figure it out. And, and it's hard to bring guys all these different places together, right? You're, you're bringing guys who are transfers and freshmen and, and returning guys, all, all bringing them all together. But they just can't find a consistency. Like you said, um, you know, Dave McCormick, well, that was an important part. They were running the offense through him early, and that opened up a lot of stuff for KU. And, and also they switched their ball on defense. They switched their ball screen defense, and they were just, I mean, they were all killer. It was, it, they, was, it was pretty cool to watch them work. Texas Tech had like four points in the first nine minutes of the game or something like that. The problem with the rank of the offense through David McCormick, uh, David McCormick is a good big man. I wouldn't say he's elite. Uh, he's very tall. That's just the one thing he has going for him um, more so than, than anyone on Texas Tech. The problem is that's very matchup dependent, right? Because so you 
if you play West Virginia, you can't run the offense with Derek through uh, David McCormick because Derek Culver's inside. So it was very it was very matchup dependent on the fact that Texas Tech's tallest guy is like a skinny six nine guy in there uh, that David McCormick can kind of just physically dominate. Um, but you get to the tournament against you know any serviceable defensive big man, and it's going to be tough to do that. And then I know I was talking about them Texas Tech being Kansas light, and that was before I looked at the you know thoroughly at the box score. Uh, Texas Tech had. Four guys score between 10 and 12 points in their starting lineup. Nobody scored more than 12 points. Kansas had four guys score between 10 and 14 in their starting lineup. David McCormick obviously chipping in 17. Another red flag for Kansas. They had five bench points the entire game. They had five bench yes. points. One guy. Mitch Lightfoot didn't score didn't score in his time off the bench, and neither did Dewan Harris. They got five total points off of the bench. Neither of these teams has a guy that's going to go score. I don't think either one of these teams is uh, – uh, maybe, maybe the Sweet 16 is the ceiling for both of them, but – I don't see him make, really making a run just because the last yeah, is boring. That's totally fair. I just like the fact that against a team that lacks size, they decided, hey, the game plan is to go to McCormick, right? That just shows some, some you know, that, that's good coaching. Uh, and, and in a year where I think Bill Self has, has been rightfully criticized, that's good coaching to say, look, let's establish it inside and we'll build out from there. And all five of their starters were in double figures. And there, it didn't really feel like it was you know too much one way. They didn't shoot the ball particularly well. But I like the fact they were able to, to build that offense. And look, they got that lead early on. And they, times was close to being back and forth, but they felt like they were pretty solid. Um, and I, that's what I liked about this game because Texas Tech is good. And they were able to address them and, and kind of figure them out and diagnose them and, and attack them. That's what I liked. Yeah, I would hope the uh, national championship winning head coach who's going to end up in the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame can figure out the fact that he has a guy. Well, I mean, he, but he's adjusting to having a team that's not as good as normal, right? Like, and, and that's, I think, you know, we should give him credit for saying, all right, let's run it through McCormick and then try to get everybody else involved. And they did it. They did, you know, exactly that uh, yesterday. All right, Corbett, the more interesting game yesterday, though, was Texas and uh, West Virginia. And Texas blows a 19 point lead. Let's get a couple things out of the way. 84-82 West Virginia wins. Texas blows a 19-point second-half lead. There was an altercation between Andrew Jones and Courtney Ramey. And also, too, on the last play of the game, Kai Jones um, did get fouled. Uh, Kai Jones and Jericho Sims, I forgot which one it was, uh, got fouled on that inbounds pass. And also, too, I'd like to note, Chaka drew up two awesome plays near the game. First one, a, a uh, Andrew Jones three-pointer off a off-ball screen. Really good play there. And then that final play, the tip, Really good play there as well. Um, Deuce McBride fouled him. Those things aside, the collapse was profound. And we'll give West Virginia their credit in a second. But this Texas team at their peak was up 19. Corbett, what Shaka smart teams don't do and what they have not done even during his time at VCU is when they're up, they do not slow down. They do not manage the game well. And I think the best example of this was when Shaka's VCU team gave up that and one three against Stephen F. Austin and lost the game that they should have won in the tournament because they didn't slow down and they didn't take care of the basketball. And against a team like West Virginia that wants to play up and down style, they trust that, look, we're down right now, but in a 40 minute game, if you, if you want to play this pace, we're going to beat you. And they've beaten damn near everybody with that pace. And they almost beat Gonzaga playing that pace. So I thought it was a bad coaching job from that standpoint and a lack of recognition of the moment. What did you think? I want to address one thing real quick about the the, the foul, too. Uh, Jericho Sims is a 47% free throw shooter. Um, for those of you that are always oh, going to make both free throws, we're going to go overtime. Okay, you lost the game. Uh, yeah. Secondly, um, addressing their inability to slow the game down. I think West Virginia, uh, it's kind of a staple of, of them to to make not let you do what you want to do uh, pace-wise. Usually, West Virginia games go the way they want them to go as far as the pace is concerned. 
Um, they're just really good at controlling the pace. You can do that when you have a myriad of ways of scoring on offense uh, and attacking you defensively. Texas is interesting. We've talked about it in the past about the that you know they're going to go with their guard play, and that's that's the case really for for um that's the case really for you know most basketball teams in the history of existence is that you go as the guards go well especially with those three guards they have yeah especially with those three guards who you know were getting in the fight on the sideline you know Courtney Ramey had to be restrained uh and during during the arguing which I I always to me that's always been a sign of like a, a tight-knit group when you're arguing on the sideline actually like you care that much though like you are that in so it, so it wasn't disturbing to you it, I mean I, no no, it's 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 passionate college aid kids who both want to win a lot who are arguing on the sideline because they are that passionate about their team and what's going on. Secondly, Andrew Jones missed that shot by like a quarter of an inch. The three ball, um, it hit the front of the rim, hit the back of the rim, and bounced out. If that goes in, the entire conversation we're having right now is different. Uh, it does not involve a 29, 29 point or nineteen point blown lead, uh, the fighting on the sideline, none of that. It's the fact that what what a resilient win for Texas. Some shots fall, some don't. Uh, this is, you know, people talk about uh, lessons you can learn throughout the course of the regular season. Texas obviously needs to learn how to hold a lead a bit better. This has been kind of a, a shock smart theme as far as um, just kind of his tenure at Texas. It's been, been a lot of this is probably NBCU. It's not there. just it's not exclusive to Texas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a shock smart theme. Uh, you know, he likes to play his style and pretty much regardless of, of time and score didn't work out for him yesterday. Uh, it's easy to look down on it. I, both these teams are good. They're both better than, I think, both the teams that played Lawrence yesterday. Uh, and that was a fun game. Yeah, I'm concerned about the fighting just because, look, it's too late in the season to be doing this, right? They're too late to be in the season to be, to be at each other's necks like those two guys were. Courtney Ramey, though, was awesome, 28 points, uh, 7 of 8 from 3. Matt Coleman is 20 points, 8 of 9 from the floor. I mean, this is another one of those games where Texas shot 54% from the floor, 54 from 3, and the 4 of 10 from the line is – that's awful. And they've been bad, you know, at free throws the entire season, but they shot over 50% on both accounts and they still lost the game. And that is a credit to West Virginia's persistence. They never feel like they're out of the game and then, and, and their confidence uh, is so impressive. I mean, uh, Sean McNeil's second half was absolutely bananas. He finished with 16 points, five instead of seven shooting. And also he's been able to shoot off the bounce as well, which is something that feels like not totally new, but uh, he's really good at shot faking, getting you up in the air and taking one step to the right or left and, making and knocking down a jumper and uh you know that's a, been a, a big weapon for them miles mcbride same way 17 points four assists three rebounds another classic miles mcbride game uh and he led the way you know Derek culver that's battle in the post against these guys from uh from texas i, I thought he and jericho sims basically played to a stalemate and the guards you know what, what came through basically was west virginia's pace and the way they were able to kind of you know they forced 16 turnovers. So uh, it's not classic press Virginia. That's not what West Virginia does now, but they're still able to make you make mistakes. They're still able to speed you up. And that was a theme of this game as well. You know, Texas played pretty comfortable at that pace, but West Virginia feels better at that pace for longer. And that's a problem because, because we know what the Texas team is capable of. They're better than what happened yesterday. And that's, what's upsetting is because I thought this was a spot Corbett where they needed to win this game just because since their COVID break, they hadn't had a statement win yet. And I thought they missed a chance to basically say, look, this is who we were in the beginning of the season. We are now finding that again. And they did for a little while, but not against an elite team. And that's what concerns me. Yes, they're better than most teams. But to me, West Virginia is a top 10 basketball team. And Texas did not close the show. Getting late in February, it's where you need to start doing stuff like that. 
Yeah, especially when, you know, four out of your five starters are, are, are upperclassmen. Um, and, you know, they're supposed to be past this point. You talk about getting the tournament. That's the thing that the teams that have juniors and seniors handling the ball are the teams that aren't supposed to blow those 19-point leads. Uh, but we'll see. I, it's, it's one game over the course of a long season, and I, I'm not going to make too much of it considering they, they shot the lights out, and then they, they, they didn't, you know, down the stretch of the game. So sometimes the shots fall, sometimes they don't. It looks bad in the grand scheme of things. Um, but a two-point close home loss to the number 10 team in the country is not going to, to change the way anyone feels about Texas. Yep, and West Virginia gets to 15 and six uh, overall, eight and four in the conference. Texas 13 and six, seven and five in Big 12 play. And I forgot to mention when it comes to the KU game uh, that they are now in third. They're still in third place. People keep saying second. Look, just because they're up in the win column does not mean that they're over Kansas or over uh, Oklahoma. Oklahoma's nine and four in the conference. They have a better winning percentage. I know KU is eleven and five, but right now Oklahoma is still second place. So KU is in third. But uh, I forgot to mention, they are now in third, which is very impressive uh, for them. All right. Also this weekend, Corbett, oh, my God, Kansas State won for the first time in 2021 in a rock fight with TCU. But here's the thing. Bruce Weber has talked about, look, this team, I just feel so bad for them. I wish to get a win for these guys because they're trying, they're trying, they're trying. They went out there and they won a rock fight against uh, against TCU on the road and got their second win of the year. So I think, look, Bruce Weber's team in, they could have easily mailed it in, and they have not. They've gotten more competitive as of late uh, on the whole. And so I, I think this was more proof of that. Yeah, this was like the shootout at the OK Corral if they were throwing bouncy balls at each other from across the courtyard. Uh, 62-54, Kansas State, TCU, I they're just falling apart. I mean, we talked, you, you, you were on it pretty early. Them, uh, them taking a quick downturn. They started the season off decent. I think they were like 10 and six or 11 and, or 10 and seven. Yeah, better than that. It was like, it was and like they looked nine good and, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They started the season red hot. I know we talked about it when that, that was about their record. And you're like, yeah, they're, they're in a downward slide fast. They, they clung to victory against Iowa state at home. And then they looked completely terrible the whole game. I mean, Kansas state shot 40% on the road and beat them. I mean, what are you doing? TCU. Um, Mike McGurl had 16, but on 14 shots, they didn't right. have a single player, uh, make more than six field goals, uh, on like, I mean, six, six for 14 was the, like the most efficient player, uh, that took a lot of shots for Kansas state. It was really ugly. Uh, TCU just can't score, uh, period. I mean, RJ, yeah, they shoot 32%, four of 18 from three. They were 20 of 23 from the line, but you know, credit to Kansas state because it would be so easy to mail it in in a season like this, everything going on. And, and they just haven't. Um, the way TCU the, shot that ball, they could have mailed it in and still won. TCU shot 31% from the field, 22% yeah. from three. They did make 20 free throws, which sounds good until you realize that that was like over 40% of the points they scored. Uh, right. 20 of the 54 <laughs> right. points they scored was from the free throw line. So they made 20 free throws and 15 field goals. Um, that's just, <laughs> what are you doing? It's, poor. it's a, it's a poor, it's a poor effort. Uh, and finally, also in the conference this weekend, uh, Oklahoma gets their first win Ames since I think 2011. So Oklahoma 66, Iowa State 56. They started off Oklahoma did red hot and then they, they kind of regressed some, but they were able to get the job done. And look, that's that's kind of what it, you know what matters uh, for this team. Like I, I think in a building where you have a lot of demons, we've got guys like Brady Manick who's never won Ames. You know, being able to go there and get a win. Austin Reeves 20 points, five rebounds. Uh, another really good game from him. He's starting to play better. As, as the season goes along and not a great offensive showing for them, but they did enough to get the job done and they were solid on defense. And they're, once again, it's been a theme for OU is they're playing better defense than we're accustomed to seeing from an OU team. They hold um, 
uh, Iowa State as a team to 39% from the floor and also uh, 21% from three. And they only let him go to the line six times. That means that you're defending well and, you know, Iowa State maybe should attack the rim more. But regardless of that, you're still defending well. Yeah, this was your your typical, I don't have to be the best team in the country. I just have to be the best team on this floor for, you know, 40 minutes. And that's kind of exactly what happened. Uh, Oklahoma shot 40% from the field, 6 of 24 from downtown. Uh, you know, all in all, they only out-rebounded Iowa State by 5, which Iowa State gets rebounded by, or out-rebounded by way more than that uh, on a regular basis. They Iowa State actually had more assists in the game just by uh, losing by 10 points. So not a great performance for Oklahoma, but they did what they had to do on the road in a weird spot on a Saturday morning against a team that's awful. Like, I just – nothing more or less – nothing – I don't think better or worse of Oklahoma um, coming out of this game. Yeah, and they maintain that spot second in the conference. All right, one more pause for the cause here on the Locked On Big 12 podcast. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best-tasting, best-for-you protein bar out there right now. They're delicious. They've got 18 awesome flavors. Go to BuiltBar.com and check all them out. They've got six new flavors. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry bar chia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. They've got 12 original flavors, all covered in chocolate, six with nut, six without nut, coconut almond, raspberry, German chocolate, peanut butter, banana bread, mint brownie, salted caramel, double chocolate, orange, toffee almond, coconut, and peanut butter brownie. There really is something for everybody at BuiltBar.com. Go there right now. Use that promo code Locked On to receive your 20% discount. Once again, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, Locked On, to receive your 20% discount on your next purchase at BuiltBar.com. You also have a chance to win a free cooler while supplies last. Once again, promo code Locked On at BuiltBar.com. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. Uh, also coming up on the next show, uh, we have, I think we'll release it on Monday night, so actually coming up this evening, my conversation with Jesse Newell of the Kansas City Star. We talk about KU's resurgence in hoops, so uh, a fun conversation there. I think you guys will enjoy that one, so look for that late Monday night, early Tuesday morning. All right, back to my conversation, though, with Corbett Koslack. Corbett, big week this week, Baylor comes back on Tuesday night. So we finally get a, a chance to see uh, the Baylor Bears back in action for the first time since the first week of, uh, of February. Uh, on Tuesday night, they're going to play Iowa State. So luckily they had Iowa State to ease themselves back into things. But, you know, uh, across the country and in the – I'm kind of worried about the, like the, the back part of these conferences. Like the back part of the Big Ten is just not convincing to me at all right now. We've seen some weaknesses in the, in the, in the, the Big 12 as well. But – I think these two conferences, for as, as much as they're flexing their muscles earlier earlier in the season, the back ends are not as good as I think they as we kind of proclaim them to be. First of all, I think Penn State might be the best four and ten team to ever exist in conference. Uh, they they shoot the lights out. They lead the the, the conference in steals. Uh, they do a ton of things excellently. They 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 are excellent three point shooters. They missed Miles Dredd, their leading shoot their leading scorer from last season for like the first half of this year. He's just kind of rounding back into form. John Hara, the big man. Uh, was holding things down inside. They they should have beaten Ohio State in Columbus earlier this year. They have some nice wins at home. They beat uh, I'm trying to they beat Wisconsin at home. 
Uh, and then Nebraska coming off two games ago had their first conference win in like a year and a half. Northwestern, I think, is the worst team at the bottom of this conference. They uh, are just tipping off against Wisconsin right now. Michigan State looked like old Michigan State um, against Indiana on Saturday. Minnesota has kind of gone into a downturn. They were firmly off the bubble in the tournament uh, and then have kind of just kept sliding backwards. They lost to Maryland at home. Then they got blown out on the road. Then they got blown out by Illinois. Uh, Maryland was a nice win today in Rutgers. Rutgers is weird because they have so much talent, um, but it's just not coming together for them. Right. And then you look at the Big 12 and, you know, TCU's been sliding. We know how bad Kansas State and Iowa State are. Um, Texas Tech is worse than we thought they were. I think Kansas is kind of what we thought they were, which wasn't which wasn't super good. I would, you know, Baylor, Oklahoma, West Virginia are excellent. The rest of them are, you know, between five and ten seeds that probably aren't going to the second weekend. Yeah, it, it's funny, too, because, you know, we've talked about those two conferences so much, and now the conversation is going to switch to the ACC because Duke is going to make the – I mean, there's going to be this fake Duke tournament run here because they've beaten, you know – Wake and State, and now they beat that UVA, and a great win for them, obviously. Um, but with the Jalen Johnson stuff, all the kind of news has been around Durham and around Duke, and they have a chance against Syracuse and, and UNC to make a, I guess, a push, you could say. Uh, but you know, I, I'm that's something that I'm not looking, uh, that I'm not looking forward to. Well, what's going to happen is the narrative around the whole season, right? Duke sucks. Uh, Kentucky's bad. North Carolina's bad. Uh, it Kentucky's the way college basketball works. Kentucky's gonna win the SEC tournament, get the automatic bid because that's how college basketball goes. They've looked excellent uh, recently. They blew out Tennessee on the road. There's no team that Kentucky is not like that can't compete with uh, in the SEC. Uh, that's gonna be very interesting to see. Even if they, you know, what if they get to the championship game and they end up uh, around 500 in conference if they run the table, and then Duke's out here. Eight, you know what they used to say? You have to go. Uh, you know, 500 in conference, getting that large bid in the power conference. Duke sitting here at eight and six in conference, 10 and eight overall. Uh, Jalen Johnson is not even on the sideline. It's some weird stuff going on. Well, he's there, gone but, now. He's gone from the team. Yeah, no, I, mean, I know. Yeah. But like he went from playing and not really knowing what his role was to leaving. And ever since he's left, it's like the whole locker room has rounded into form. And it's very, uh, it's very interesting to say the least, the way Duke is rounding into form. North Carolina, Louisville, Clemson, Syracuse, and Duke are all not very good and are probably going to make the tournament. Right. Uh, Virginia Tech's not very good. They're okay. But Virginia just lost to Duke, who we don't think is very good. Florida State uh, lost to Georgia Tech. Uh, it's The ACC is just not – I mean, all college basketball really on, on the whole is not good. But It's a down year for the ACC, I would say. Uh, all right, Corbett, it's getting, it's getting to that fun period, right? It's getting the really fun period now where it's, you know, number crunching time and when we, you know, seeing who's in and who's out. And obviously it's going to be – even more hectic with all the, you know, other things going on in the world right now with COVID and the conference tournaments and we'll see what happens. You know, I think at least one major team, you think at least one power five team is going to opt out of their conference tournament. There has to be at least one. I mean, who would it be? Their team that's really horrible and there's no reason to play it. Or well, I'm no thinking teams. about the horrible teams. Like Boston well, I'm just saying in just in general, or, or a team that's yeah. had some COVID issues and is, is well positioned for the tournament and says, why would I go play this? What? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't make any sense. With that, when you're at, like, if Baylor opts out, then you're going to have a bid stealer potentially coming out of the – well, I mean, maybe not that conference, but, okay, let's say you go to the, the – the Pac-12 is weird because there's about seven teams that win the Pac-12 tournament, uh, and they have maybe – I think so. I think there's, like, three. I, I think it's really USC, Oregon, and, and uh, UCLA. Like, I mean, I know I know Arizona just beat USC yesterday, but well, – Arizona's I mean, not eligible for the postseason, so that's – That's true. Problem. It's right. It's a good point, yeah. So, I, so I mean, those three teams would be the ones that I really – 
circling. Yeah. State also took UCLA to the brink on the road last night. Uh, but Colorado, in neutral, no, neutral court. Well, but Colorado's probably already locked into the, into the uh, NCAA tournament. You think uh, they could win? You think Arizona, Arizona State could win four straight games? They had a talent too, but I mean, I, Arizona State's weird because they have maybe the two best scores in the entire Pac-12, and they're just a, t- a terrible basketball team, which doesn't make any sense at all. Like Alonzo Verge, they scored like seventy or like forty-eight points against uh, St. Mary's last year, and Alonzo Verge scored like forty-four of them, uh, some ridiculous number. Uh, it was like the highest percentage ever. He could what is it? Just a pure score. Remy Martin can get to the basket at will. They're just so poorly coached. They're just so poorly coached. That team has been a disaster this year. I mean, just such underachieving this season. Uh, all right, Corbett, appreciate your time, man. Where can people find you on the socials? Uh, on Twitter at Corbett underscore Coslack. All right, Corbett, we always appreciate your time. All right, yep, thanks for having me on. All right, that will do it for today's show. I want to thank Corbett Coslack for his time today. Make sure you guys follow us on Twitter at LLBig12. Follow me at JoshNeighbors underscore. Also, subscribe, download, and review the podcast. It'll help get this podcast out growing. Uh, growing slowly but surely here on the Locked on Big 12 podcast. I've been the host here now for... Uh, it's been a full four months at the end of February, and I really enjoy doing the show, but I would love to see this thing grow so you guys can share it with your friends and also review and subscribe. That would help this thing get out to other people in Big 12 country and across the country who might be interested in the show. All right, until next time, please stay safe, y'all. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.